0: The shepherds are our teachers tonight. I want to read to you again from Luke chapter 2. The scene picks up right after the angels have split. They've delivered their message and their song and they've left. Luke chapter 2 verse 15 says, When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Do you have a favorite movie or a book that you wish you could go back and read or watch for the first time? And that way all those twists and turns are fresh and you get to experience like it was the first time. I think if we could do that with the book of Luke, with this birth narrative specifically, I think we would be fascinated and even a little stunned by the presence of these shepherds. What are shepherds doing in this story? It makes no sense. They should not be here. But we're so familiar with them that we've lost the the moment of awe here. In the first century setting in which this story takes place, shepherds were low on the social order, they were uncouth, they were unholy, they were dirty, they were impoverished. They are not the kinds of people that we would expect to be chosen as recipients of the angel choir and the good news from on high. Priests? Yeah, you bet. We would expect that message to be delivered to the holiest people among us royalty. We would expect that message to be delivered to the most important people among us. But instead, it came to shepherds, and I think that's why their experience is so informative for us. Try to imagine with me what that night was like for these guys. It began like every other night. It was common practice that shepherds in that culture would bring their sheep in from the field. And at nighttime, they put them in these stone pens, and they locked them in for their protection, and then the shepherd would sleep with the sheep in order to protect them. And so here are shepherds with their flock. It's nighttime. It was quiet, very quiet. There's no buzz from the city, no planes flying overhead, no car alarms or emergency vehicles driving by. It was quiet, and it was dark. Uh, There's no street lamps, no car headlights, no glow from cell phones in their faces. It's a quiet night. It's a dark night. And then in a single moment, space and time are split open by the heavenly messengers. The shepherds responded with fear. That's the right response. You would be terrified as well if an angel of God stood before you. But the angel put them at comfort, told them not to be afraid, and then delivered the good news. This good news is like no other good news that's ever been delivered from heaven to earth before. To be sure, there are many instances in the Bible where angels deliver messages from God to people. But this is the only one where the news is accompanied with a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. The quiet of the night is filled with the singing of angels. The dark of the night is filled with heavenly light. Now, seeing just one angel is enough to alter your life forever. But to witness the heavenly host praising God and to hear their song, I don't know how anyone would ever recover from that. So their night went from quiet and dark to loud and light and then back to quiet and dark again. But it was different. They were different. Verse 15 tells us that they hurried to Bethlehem to see the baby the angels told them about. We aren't told how they knew which house to go to, but they knew and they found the holy family and they entered the place where they were staying and they saw the Christ child with their own eyes. I want you to think about how casually the shepherds enter the space where God is. They just walk right up. Here, the Christ child is lying in a manger. They enter the house. They stand in the presence of the infant God without any sort of hesitation. In contrast, I want you to think about how the Jewish high priest would enter the Holy of Holies once a year. The Holy of Holies was that place in the temple where God dwelt in a unique way. And one day a year, the Day of Atonement, the high priest was able to enter the Holy of Holies and offer a blood sacrifice for the sins of the people. But he couldn't just walk right in. Leviticus chapter 16 gives all the instructions for how the high priest was to prepare himself before entering the Holy of Holies. The preparations involved a ritual cleansing, reading massive amounts of Scripture, and long days in prayer. In order to be ritually pure, the high priest was baptized five times. He would also uh, sanctify his hands and feet by washing them with a special golden vessel. He was dressed in special priestly clothes that were all white, He would offer three different incense offerings and then 15 separate animal sacrifices for his own sin, the sin of his family, and the sins of the people. It would take seven days of around-the-clock preparation for this one day of holy service. And then when the actual performance of the entire service on the Day of Atonement occurred, the whole thing was remarkably complex. If the high priest deviated in any way from what the Lord required, he would be struck dead in the presence of God. Go back to the shepherds with me. They took no ritual baths. They wore no special clothes. They sacrificed no animals for their sin. They burned no incense. They just walked into the presence of God. They did not come to the child and begin to rehearse their religious accomplishments or their moral achievements or all their worldly successes. They just came in all of their sin and brokenness and filth, and there they stood with the infant God. And in doing so, they teach us how you and I should come to Jesus. I think all of us, we come limping to the manger, It's so very unshepherd-like for us to think that we will come to Christ once we have cleansed ourselves, once we no longer need His cleansing, or that we will brag to Him of our great achievements, or He wants to see us so He can praise our performances. But we are like the shepherds when we come to Him in all of our sinful misery, all of our fear, all of our disappointments, and we find that in Christ we are loved and forgiven and freed. If you have a nativity scene in your house, there's no doubt there's some representative of the shepherds there. In all likelihood, the wise men outnumber the shepherds. It's a historical inaccuracy that we can talk about later when you want the most boring conversation ever. But somewhere in your nativity, there's a shepherd. And I wonder if we included in our nativity scenes figurines that represented all the people that Jesus encountered over the course of his earthly ministry. What kind of people would gather around Jesus? It would be people with leprosy, people with blindness, deafness, paralysis, all kinds of sickness and disability, It would be people who are enduring the absolute worst of spiritual torment. It would be the absolute outcasts of society, prostitutes, tax collectors, adulterers, prisoners, criminals. There would be wealthy people and poor people, powerful people and marginalized people, old people and young people, religious people and irreligious people. And somewhere in the midst of that whole nativity scene, would be one little figure that represents you. You see, at the manger, you will rub elbows with other soul-sick sinners who are there for the healing that only Jesus can give. He'll do all of the cleansing, all the fixing, all the restoring. You just need to come to Him. How tired are you? It's been a hard year, and I think all of us are exhausted by these days, and some of us, these days have been excruciating. And Hear the invitation of Christ tonight saying, come to me. Just come and sit. Don't perform, don't do, don't try to cover up, just come and sit and let Him heal you and give you the rest your soul needs. Brother and sister, Christian, we need to come to him tonight. Could you imagine what it would be like if one of the shepherds, just one of them, saw the angel choir, heard the message, heard the song, and yet refused to go see the baby? I'm really tired, guys. I'm just going to stay here and sleep it off with the sheep. Y'all go ahead just tell tell me what it's like tomorrow. Can you imagine that? Of course we can imagine it because it happens all the time at Christmas time. It's such a sad thing to once again hear the angelic choir, to hear the invitation, and yet to remain in our old death. And so he invites all of us. Jesus is God in the flesh, born of a virgin. He is fully God and fully man. And he came to offer himself as the one and only sacrifice for our sins. He died on the cross in your place for your sin. And three days later, He rose from the dead. And He loves you. All of this because He loves you. He's born because He loves you. Takes on flesh, takes on the cross, takes on your sin because He loves you. And His promise to you is that if you will turn from your sin and make Him the center of your life, put all of your faith and trust in Him, He'll give you eternal life. Seeing one angel... That'll change you forever. Seeing a choir of angels, you'll never recover. But to have an encounter with the living God, that changes you for eternity, and He tells you to come. The last we see of the shepherds here in Luke chapter 2, they're going around Bethlehem metro, telling everyone they can what they've seen and heard. The shepherds take on a different role. Such a huge change in them from the way the night began to the way it all ended. You see, now the shepherds have taken on the role of the angels. They are the messengers with the good news. And they are the new choir calling everyone to worship. And so they've delivered that good news to us tonight. And they invite all of us to rejoice at the good news of great joy that is for all the people. Christ has come and he bids you Come to Him. Let's pray together. This is an old Puritan prayer. Who is our praise but You, Jesus, Your beauty, Your glory, and Your excellence? You are the one in whom all divine perfection is focused. Who will be our praise but You, Jesus, the mediator, the Christ of God, whose glory it is to redeem sinners and make them saints to give out of your fullness and grace for grace. Who will be our praise but you who have made our peace in the blood of your cross and ever lives to intercede for us. You are first among 10,000. You are our praise, our glory, our song, our rejoicing. Morning by morning, we will praise your name and night by night testify to your faithfulness. While we are on the earth, we will never stop speaking of your praise. And before long, we will join with another angel choir singing together, all glory to him that has loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. Jesus, our Savior and King, we praise you. Amen.